We are very, very thankful to be here. And as Brad said, we are going to, by choice, speak on that subject of emotional intimacy. Some of you guys are thinking right now, emotional intimacy, come on, let's get down to real stuff. You know? But that's okay, that's okay, because the direction we're going, we're going to include you guys in this thing this evening, so I think you're going to appreciate what we're going to say. But emotional intimacy, first of all, what is it? Let's talk about it just for a minute. Because we want to be as practical as we can be this evening with you. Ann and I, although we weren't allowed to really get into that, how many years you have been married, we were married uh, 40 years June the 6th. Okay? So that's where it's been. We have three kids within three and a half years. We have seven grandkids. And we are thankful for all that God has given to us. And, uh, but anyway, emotional intimacy, back to that real quick. What is it? I would define it as a magnetism, a practical magnetism in a relationship. It's a relationship where you really are still uh, retaining and maintaining an attractive... You are good looking. An an attractive... No, I'm serious, honey. Now I'm all messed up. Uh, uh, Where you have an attraction for one another. And uh, it's, it's where... We make eye contact rather than being distracted or being a little afraid of, of not being loved when I look her into the windows of her soul, her eyes. You see, it's not a have to or an ought to. It's a want to in a relationship where there is that oneness, that closeness that we, we long to share together. The, the barriers are to some degree removed. There's still some depravity going on. There's still some selfishness, right, theologically. But the point is, I, I really want to be with you. That's that emotional intimacy that we believe is really the key to that oneness that God intends for you to maximize and increase all the days of your life. So we're going to be talking about that kind of emotional intimacy a little bit tonight. And I would say that when we started out in marriage in 1970, actually in the fall of 1969, I got to know him, and there was an incredible attraction one toward the other. And I remember those days so well of just falling in love with Bob. And I remember being at Baylor University. Okay, that's where we were. Hey. How can I say? Hey. Sick them. Oh, there's one back there. One. Not, not, no, no, no. But I remember Bob just, I mean, in my eyes, he was my hero. And I I was a senior uh, in college, and so was he. And I remember him coming over to my old little house that I lived in, you know, a duplex that was about 100 years old and had great big tall ceilings, 14 feet up. And I wanted to put some curtains on the window and at my little duplex apartment. And Bob was, you know, he climbed the ladder and got up there and got it all hung. And and I remember just looking up at him. He was trying to take, here's a man who's going to take care of me. He cares about my needs. He's just volunteering to help. And, it's and nothing, I, honey. <laughs> nothing. And I'm looking up there, and I'm just thinking, you are wonderful. And I remember the way he looked down at me. You know, here I am, admiration, appreciation flowing his way. And you talk about feeling emotionally filled uh, in our relationship. We did. And then we would, I mean, that filled him up, my, the way I looked at him. And I'm sure he thought that, that would never change. <laughs> But life yeah. happens. Okay. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, 
would go out and we would spend hours out by the lake uh, near in, in in Waco, and uh, we would just talk and talk and talk. And he 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 would also talk, and uh, and uh, we were just like this, and 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 all of that connection just filled our hearts and made us feel so very close. But then, as you know, and as you remember from those days in which you fell in love, and then all of a sudden you're married and. He goes his way to work, and probably you go to your way to work and in the early years, and then all of a sudden children come along and things change, and where, where you were once really focused upon each other, now you're distracted by a million things. If it's children, if it's practices, if it's lessons, it's getting them there. And then problems come and decisions about how you're going to spend money and how you're not going to spend money. And, yeah, uh, and we have all of these things that begin to come in between you. And rather than allowing problems and difficulties to drive you one toward the other so often, our problems and and conflicts would drive us apart and cause us to become polarized, almost feeling as though we're in this marriage, but we're each doing our own thing, almost a married singles lifestyle, ships passing in the night, and all of a sudden you're like that emotional tank that was once so full of love and attraction and magnetism, why it just seems dry. And sometimes that may be where you are even tonight. And one of the uh, residual effects is a sense of uh, isolation. You, you really feel as though I'm in this by myself. The needs aren't getting met. There's not the communication. There's not the engagement, the interaction uh, that we used to have. And... Uh, we want you to know that a result of that kind of isolation is something very severe and dangerous. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is where you are most vulnerable. And as Ann and I have been involved in ministry now for 40 years, we have seen people who are totally unaware, they're naive about that isolation, where they're not engaged. As you said, they're like married singles. They are like ships passing in the night. They are so busy, they're encumbered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and captured by their busyness that they really aren't taking the time to meet each other's emotional needs. And so that vulnerability is present and dangerous. And it is at that point that they are very, very vulnerable to connection emotionally with someone else. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be at business, in business or at school. It can very well be in the church just as well. It's a very lethal situation. So what Anna and I want to talk about is this emotional intimacy, not the definition any longer, but how do you develop and then maintain an emotional intimacy that keeps that oneness, that keeps that magnetism operative in that relationship. And what we're going to do is give you three gauges tonight, okay? That you need to check regularly. Yeah, you need to check them. We're going to encourage you to. And uh, not right here at the table tonight, but, but we want you to, to put these things down uh, and, and work with these things. They're going to be easy for you to remember. We went to Baylor, so we're still working with A, B, and C. So we're going to... Greg, don't laugh at that too much. It hurts me. It hurts me. Okay, so the A, the A, we're going to talk about, and I'm going to primarily talk about anger. You've got to deal with your anger because so many of us have that, uh, that low 
uh, seething, uh, settled, uh, you know, on the, on the stove. It's at the lowest level of heat, but it's simmering and it's causing the resistance and the lack of eye contact. And uh, so we've got to deal with that anger. Secondly, we're going to deal with the bee. And that bee has to do with body. We want to talk about body life, how you're doing physically, how you're communicating, how you're enjoying one another, because that's God's plan. So we're going to ask at that point that the singles just kind of use some earplugs. Could you hand those out, Brad? (laughs) But anyway, so that's what we're going to do. No, we're going to tell you how great this is. And uh, I got to tell you, after 40 years, we have still got the hots for each other big time. I I am serious. I am serious. And yeah. And so we're going to cut this short, really. Anyway, so the point is, point is, we're going to, we, we still have a great time because, okay, now now we're engaged. We're working this one now. All right. So, but that, we're going to talk about that because honestly, I've got to tell you something. As you, as you think about the sexual relationship that God has given you as a gift, did you realize that your sexual relationship is really very much symptomatic of what's going on in your relationship? Mm-hmm. It's fantastic if you really are emotionally intimate with each other, but if you're not, then it's just rather perfunctory, biological, whatever words you want to use, okay? <laughs> so, what we're going to say... A, anger. B, body. C, we're going to talk about communication. And we're going to talk communication in two ways. We feel like it's so essential that you do take time to listen, to engage with one another. But there's another communication that I want to talk about right at the end just for a brief time. And that is our individual responsibility to walk with our Heavenly Father in the cool of the day. It is cooler now, Mm -hmm. especially in Houston where I come from, less human now. So, but we're supposed to engage in that relationship because where does my strength, where does your strength, where does your humility, gentlemen, let me address us. Where does your strength to really take initiative with your wife and communicate when your pride is really being affected? The respect level is extremely low. Where does it come from? It comes from my humbling before God. So I'll talk to you about that a little bit. Uh, but first of all, let's talk about anger. Can we do that, hon? That's right. This is the anger gauge, and you just need to check and say, you know, if there's a distance, maybe are you angry? Is there? Is that maybe what's going on? And, you know, when you come to a place like Grace Bible Church, you're thinking, no, I'm not angry, man. I'm doing so good. <laughs> but then you walk through that door, and that smile, wasn't that a great time? Hey, something we've got to talk about. No, I don't <laughs> want to really talk about that now. You know, Ann and I saved a lot of difficulty in ministry. You know how? By taking two different cars to church. That's <laughs> true. Very true. I hate Practical. to admit that, but I'm out of the pastor now. All right. Anyway, let's talk about anger. So many Christians do not understand anger. It's simply an emotion, and we are actually told that it's okay. In fact, we are told to express anger. In Ephesians 4.26, this is not given to a marriage, but it applies to a marriage. It's given to a church filled with relationships. So in Ephesians 4.26, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Incredible words from the Apostle Paul, from God, the inspired God-breathed stuff that we are to apply in our relationships, and especially in the most significant one called marriage. All right, so what does it mean? Be angry, but do not sin. We're supposed to express ourselves with our feelings, but not do that in an uncontrolled way. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. For example, if I took off a shoe 
and hurled it at my wife, or she took a piece of china and used it as a frisbee, but designed to hit me right here in the jugular, that would be uncontrolled anger. I just want to say that. Listen closely. <laughs> Save the china. Don't worry about the shoe. But, but here's the thing. If, if I pushed my wife, if I shoved her, if I shouted with expletives inappropriate, Ephesians 4.29, let no putrid or rotten word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word. If I let go some of those things that were kind of like B.C. days, you know, we all have experienced those things, that would be uncontrolled anger. Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, Bob, don't do that. That's sin. Now, I'm fine, Bob, if you feel something strongly. In fact, you can raise your voice. You can look intense about it. But but the point is, uh, I don't want you to do something that is out of control. I don't want you slamming the door so hard that the paint chips, the wood, you know, separates. That's sin. So first of all, I want you to get the idea before the Bible, before what God has given to us, anger is not bad, it, but it needs to be communicated when. But why? When, what, 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 why do you want to... uh, what are the ways? What causes us to be angry? Sure. Okay. There are, three, it, there are three things that really cause anger. These helped, when I did a doctoral course, this helped me immensely. I really came to grips with why I get angry in all sorts of ways. Number one. Fear. Fear causes anger. In Houston, in spring where we live, if Ann goes to a shopping mall and I say, Honey, it's going to get dark at such and such a time. I really want you to come back by 7 o'clock. And if Ann feels that the Spirit of God has led her to shop longer, (laughs) I call that manipulation of the Trinity. Okay? But nevertheless, if she, if she stays a little bit longer and, and I'm not aware of it, you know, as, as much, uh, I'm working outside or do something, you know, to serve and my I wife. And I don't my hear my Blackberry phone. go off, right? So, you know, so she comes home and I, what do I do? Oh, honey, I'm just so glad you're safe in this wicked area of this world. Is that what I do? Or I say, honey, what are you doing? I thought, you know, you understand? The cause of anger is fear. Another cause of anger, frustration. If you have a real difficult day and, and the closings just don't occur, the relationships uh, exceed the conflict level, you know, and, and so things just aren't working uh, to the max, but rather to the minimum, you, you, you come home and you're just frustrated. And uh, that oftentimes yields a little over-the-top, over-the-brim anger. Fear, frustration, and then let's say Anne decides that even at our age, she's going to have romantic dinner. Isn't that great? Mm. So she kind of prepares the candles and the fine food. And, and so I'm coming in from maybe uh, a trip uh, from uh, India or Cambodia or China or somewhere. And this is going to be special, right? So you know what happens? I tell her I'm going to come home at such and such a time, but I am two hours late. But I don't even give her a phone call. When I arrive at the home, is she going to say, oh, it doesn't make a bit of difference how late you are, honey? Is that the way Ann's going to be? Let me assure you, no, it's not. I dare not make eye contact with her right now. 
she going to be really upset with me? Because you see, I she's saying to she's saying I didn't even write a phone call. I am hurt. Those are three quick causes of anger: fear, frustration, and hurt. And what we want to encourage you to do is to be angry, but don't sin and deal with it when, when, before you go to sleep at night. Before you know, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun. Go down on your wrath, says the Apostle Paul. So what we need to do is handle, deal with that anger before you go to sleep at night. Don't fake snoring. <laughs> yeah, but right here. Okay, you want me to stop the there? The three ways. Uh, well, you mean, uh, you, mean you want me to go into yeah. how people mishandle. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And kind of directs me in some of this stuff. <laughs> All right, now here's the deal. Uh, there, there are some ways that you can mishandle it, and then we'll just talk about you know, how you work with it a little bit. But you've got, you have to be very, very careful about wanting to win whenever you get in a conflict. Okay? The, the person who wants to win is like a bulldozer. They just want to knock the other person down because they have so much at stake ego, i.e., that, that they have got to win to feel good about themselves. They don't care as much about the union as they do about themselves. So I just want you to know that that kind of domination really throws fuel on, on the fire. It, it doesn't help. It hurts. The person who wins through whatever means uh, hurts the relationship, d- destructs the, destroys, uh, takes apart, disassembles that that trust, that's the relationship. Here's another way. Yield. What, honey? Yeah, and that's what I was going to tell about. Oh, you want to talk about yielding, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Well, do you want me to st- go right, honey, go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was having so much fun. I honey. know, I know. Go right ahead, yielding. Yielding is the second way that really can destroy, you would think it might help to make things smoother between you and your mate. And I've particularly addressed this to women and Christian women who sometimes feel that to submit means to yield. And actually, if you're in a disagreement, and uh, you need to express your own opinion and be able to verbalize those kind of things. But sometimes to yield means that you're going to give in in the midst of an argument where the tempers are beginning to rise. You're going to give in in order to get along. Actually, what you will do if you are a yielder, and it may be men as well who do this because they don't like conflict, is that you suppress your hurt feelings or your frustration or the thing that's causing you anger, and you just suppress that. And so you push it under. And you think you've dealt with your anger by doing that. But really, underneath is raging, uh, seething resentment that will eventually usually come out in a big blow-up down the road a little bit. But pushing under and yielding is very destructive to a real relationship. You know what happens after a while? You numb out. If you're the person who's always yielding and pushing down, not ex- not expressing your perspective and, and uh, conviction, then... Uh, you may wake up down the road and you don't understand why you feel all of a sudden you feel this big distance between you and this person and, and there's just kind of no feelings of being in love anymore. And I'll t- I have an interesting story which helps to illustrate this point. Uh, years ago, I used to have a, an issue uh, with my foot 
and I would walk just fine most of the time, but I had learned to compensate because if I put my foot in a particular way on the ball of my foot, I would have an excruciating pain that would just shoot up my uh, leg. And uh, so most of the time, I kind of walked on the side of my foot. Well, one day I was walking through our home and uh, on the tile floor in our sunroom, and I was barefooted, and I rolled on that foot in just the wrong way. And I just went, <gasps> like that, and Bob heard me and goes, honey, what's the matter? And I said, well, I don't know, but every now and then, there, I, my foot just kills me if I land on it in a particular way. And he goes, he said, I guarantee you, you've got something in your foot. You know, something's down deep inside your foot. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, go get my, he said, I need, I need to get that out. Dr. Bob, and he said, he said, go get my operating stuff, which was a needle, a razor blade, some, a match to sterilize. We're going to be very official here. And some, a pair of tweezers. And so, I mean, he says, go get it. And he said, tell the kids to come and they're going to, they're going to watch this and they're going to see this. And, it, and this is going to be a great illustration someday. Sure enough. And so. And here we are. And so. I mean, I'm laying out on the couch. I got my foot up like this, barefooted, and I'm like, and he's got his, you know, everything, the the straight pin, you know, ready to stick in there. And probe, 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 probe. And uh, so I, I, I'm laying there saying, honey, you got to be so careful. So he starts to, he literally takes that pin and begins to dig into my foot. And and the kids are going, daddy, daddy. And then I'm, I said, no, no, it, it doesn't hurt yet. It doesn't hurt. And he just begins to pick and dig deeper and deeper probe. and cut probe and cut away, <laughs> cut away with the razor blade, the, the skin. And I am still not feeling one thing. And he's digging deeper and deeper. And then all of a sudden, I said, oh, 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 I'm starting to feel a little tenderness happening here. And he said, oh, that's great. We're getting close. And so that means we're getting close. Sure enough, he just cut around that, dug deeper into the skin, and reached down in there eventually and just pulled out. He said, here it is, piece of glass that was deeply submerged within my foot. <laughs> my hero! No! <laughs> Once again. But the point being, you know, uh, what was so amazing to me and instructive about that whole situation was that when he first dug in, what was he encountering? In that time when I didn't feel anything, it was completely dead skin. It was a callus that had grown up. And I want you to know something. When you suppress your anger and your hurts in your life and the wounds and the things that you're just going to, you think, I'm just not going to talk about it with him. I'm not going to tell him what happened or how that hurt my feelings or anything else. And you're just going to get up tomorrow and walk, try to walk around that situation. And you have just pushed it down. You do that over and over, and you know what happens? Your heart begins to harden. And you don't even know it. You cannot selectively harden your heart, you know, just against uh, about one thing. Your whole heart, and you wake up. And really, I, I talk with many women, and they say to me, Ann, I don't feel any joy. I don't feel it. And I, so I say to them, well, do you feel any anger? Do you feel any hurt? No. Do you, do you, you know, do you have any feelings? No, I'm I just feel numb. I have no feelings anymore for my mate. And that's the danger. And that's why pushing it down does not solve 
or build emotional intimacy. Actually, when you're a yielder who continually suppresses your anger and you don't talk about it, you are destroying your emotional intimacy. So you don't want to try to win. You don't want to uh, just give in in order to get along like a yield sign on a feeder onto a freeway. Uh, There's another one that's even worse. It's withdrawal. It's the worst way to try to handle a conflict. And so many people today just grow up with that. They've never seen conflict work through. And uh, rather they, some Christian parents say, I never want our kids to ever see us having an argument or a fight. And so they grow up in an unrealistic situation uh, where, where the parents really are disagreeing and having some disruption. And that's a healthy thing because maturity, if I might say this spiritually, is not the absence of problems. It's what you do with them. That's what we've got to get across in our church and our families. Uh, we've got to approach these things correctly. Withdrawal, you can do it in one or two ways. You can physically or uh, emotionally withdraw. Physically means you just uh, remove yourself from the premises. Uh, like uh, you just change the channel completely. You just mm-hmm. vacate. But, uh, but Which em- I used to do as a young bride. This is horrible. But we don't have time. True confession. I know. But I she- used to run away from the house. If I was angry did, or so upset, did. I didn't know how to verbalize. And so it I'd was, run away. It was embarrassing because we were at Dallas Seminary. <laughs> and, and she... At 3909 Swiss Avenue, apartment 201A, and it was bad. At Swiss land. It was bad because, yeah. you know, she would just, you know, just hook them. And I would be, honey, please don't. You know, and it just didn't look good for seminary. It just didn't. <laughs> I mean, we had unbelievers praying for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean Remember those people that went to tech across the... They really felt bad for us. Okay, so anyway, withdrawal. You don't want to do that. You've you got to work with... You've got to resolve conflict, okay? So it's... It, uh, one so, more little thing on that, uh, on that, on that withdrawal. It's uh, what we've seen in, in terms of anger, people de- dealing with the anger. I mean, pe- they'll be upset with one another and maybe one partner has a pattern in their life of... what we call passive aggressiveness. And so he's going to punish his wife by not talking to her, you know? And uh, so his anger, he's handling by withholding himself or withdrawing emotionally in the situation. And I I, I mean, I know of time when, when I will talk to a wife and, you know, he's been three weeks without speaking to me. Now that's not good for your emotional intimacy. Didn't help and it's our an, marriage. <laughs> and it's I'm teasing, I'm teasing. And an, it's an inappropriate way to handle your anger. So Thanks, tell them the good way, honey. Well, you got a result. <laughs> this is what we're starting to work on now after 40 years. We're, we're, we're working on resolving conflict. That means that you really sit down, and I would encourage the husbands to take some initiative. I mean, what's headship all about? Involvement, leadership. I'm sure Buck does a great job with this. This is what I've heard. But it's initiative and involvement in the simplest ways. Mm-hmm. And guys, headship means taking the first step. I mean, we've got to talk about this. And I want to hear how you feel about this. Put the, put the remote down. Put everything else away. Turn off the BlackBerry, whatever you have, the iPhone. Get rid of that stuff and say, honey, I want to hear you. I want to be able to state your opinion. I want to be able to restate what you've just said to me. I want to hear you. 
Okay? And when you do that, guys, your wife is honored. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way uh, as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman and grant her honor. Grant her honor. You may be the king. Great. She's the queen. Grant that nobility to her as, as a made in the image of God and listen to her. Take the initiative to do that and be able to state her situation, her case, to the point that you can uh, understand what's really going on and, that's, and then agree to really work on it together. You deal with that anger. Look, I live with pride too. And it's really hard for me because I would think after 40 years that we would be so much farther down the road and we wouldn't have these problems. Forget it. It's not there. That's dream world. This side of heaven, it's not going to be perfect. Ann and I are, 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 you know, have some feelings and sometimes they don't agree and we're going to therefore have some Christian disagreement. (laughs) You know? No, so honey, what about I'm so when glad we go you to feel bed. differently than I do. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, I mean, we really have some strong opinions. So we want to resolve the conflict. And when you are able to work with each other through that anger, you may lose some sleep over it. There you go. It. Seriously. Obedience. And we do. We lose sleep, and that makes me angrier. <laughs> you know, especially when I had an early service. <laughs> You know, preaching, and it really was was difficult for me. But you got to work through that stuff because because it's about relationship that exhibits the commitment of Jesus Christ to deal with these things. And when you do through the other side, you know what happens when you develop that kind of emotional intimacy? Relationships occur physically that are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we work. Oh, okay. You know, we work through this difficulty, and what happens? Oh, man, do I feel close to you. And, honey, you take it from there. <laughs> and so that leads us <laughs> into the second gauge that you need to be checking in as you are evaluating how close you are. And when you start feeling kind of distant, you know, if you're dealing with, have you been dealing with your anger in an appropriate way, which we, we just heard about, the second gauge is B for your body. What's the body life like? What's your sex life like um, uh, at, that, at that time? What tends to happen is that we get so busy in life, and I talk to many young families too, just as you're in the throes of having babies and all of that, the exhaustion that young moms go through and the busyness as you're dealing with middlers and teenagers going every which way. And you know what? We tend sometimes to neglect this area of physical intimacy, one with the other. And uh, God has given us, just like in Ephesians 4.26, when it says, Be angry and do not sin, but deal with it before you go to bed. And I mean, really, we just just beg you to make a commitment that you're not going to go to sleep angry. You will deal with that. We just, that's our primary, we feel like more marriages are saved If people will make that one commitment to not go to bed angry, they're going to deal at least with the anger. You may not solve the problem, but deal with it. Secondly, though, uh, the command that's given in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verses 3 and 4, it talks about how our bodies are given to us as to give and to share with our mate. And that we are a gift 
one to the other, our bodies are. I always like to say, <laughs> they like to unwrap this gift. You know, <laughs> and uh, they just, that just doesn't stop. Honey, there's some singles here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's what happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have this to look forward to. All right. <laughs> anyway, the uh, whole issue of your body belonging to your mate and, and not withholding. The command that is given is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, where Paul says, Stop depriving one another. He's talking about a physical relationship. Stop depriving one another except for the cause of prayer and fasting and so that and you know but don't do this for long so that you must come together again soon uh, lest you fall into temptation because of a lack of self-control so God has again given us a command that is for our good and it's for our marriages it's to protect our marriages it's to keep that emotional intimacy Because uh, one thing I've learned about men is they really do get in touch with their emotional feelings. I don't know about all men, but I know about this man. Through the physical relationship, when we have made wonderful love together, afterwards my husband is like, I love you so much. And there is such a strong connection. And And I literally, I I know in my heart that making love to Bob is one of the greatest ways I can nurture this man. I can meet his needs. He needs me. He needs my body. And uh, you all, wives, I'm... (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) It's true. It's just a big group here, honey. Every man needs a lover, and I want it to be my husband. I want it to be me. But I've got to say this too, ladies. Every woman needs a lover too. You know, we tend to think this is just the man's thing, but I'm telling you, if there's something wonderful about being involved in this physical relationship, not only where, um, you know, my husband's needs are being met, but he delights in satisfying me and having me enjoy the sexual relationship. He needs sex, though, I'm convinced, as a man, often and regularly. According to this passage in 1 Corinthians, I really believe the Lord is saying, don't let there be a long time in between the time that you're having physical relations. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for temptation out there in the world. You know, it's literally, have you heard that not having sex regularly is a misdemeanor? Yeah. The more they miss, the meaner they get. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. And there's something wonderful just softens this man, the nurturing that goes on there. The nicer I get. <laughs> That's right. So we've always had two say A's uh, for and just, and this is probably more for you uh, ladies and women to remember, but the first one is attack him. Uh, Every now and then, a man, uh, this just really touches his soul deeply. And (laughs) that emotional connection just, woo, you know, comes alive. uh, In that when he knows that you have thought about him, 
and that you desire right. him. And really your mind, you know, and I love the fact that y'all are going to intimate issues. I've been, I've been twice, I think. I've read the book. I've used the book over years. It's absolutely wonderful. Hope all of you ladies will Good. go Good. to this conference. But um, uh, Linda Dillo says something that I learned at that conference is TS. You know what that means? Think sex. And you put it on your calendar, just like, uh, you know, you've got all these appointments and everything in the way, and just every few days, you know, you're putting down TS to remind yourself that this is what you need to do. Because once you start thinking about that, your best sex organ really is to get your mind to thinking about it. You know, when it, and you need to think about, okay, you know yourself and you know your husband and you know your schedules, and when is the best time for you? It may, it may be a terrible time for you to make. Uh, love every night at 10 o'clock. I mean, that could be very bad <laughs> for you. But know what is your best time. When we had teenagers uh, and, our, and our kids, <laughs> our kids Uh-oh. were in our house and we had glass French doors in our bedroom and a little small house and, and uh, the kids were always around and we just said, okay, you know, this, this nighttime thing, everybody, that's not what wasn't a real good time. But Bob's office was only seven minutes away from our home. <laughs> the church office. <laughs> I did not do that. Is this a thermostat right here? <laughs> but uh, we had, but he would come home for lunch. And so. <laughs> for prayer and fasting. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. No? No, he came home for hot lunches. <laughs> This is a good woman right here. <laughs> and so, okay. you, uh, you plan. And ladies, put it on your agenda. Think about it and prepare for him. And then the other A is be available. And God has made us incredibly as women. We are the, uh, the beautiful thing about a woman is that she is a receptor. She receives and she can enfold all of those people that are in her life that she loves into her arms, but in a very special and intimate way. You are able to receive your husband, even when you're not all turned on, even when you're exhausted and tired, you can make a decision ahead of time to be available, to not say, no, I'm too tired. I'm not going to do this tonight. You know what? We destroy our husband's confidence and his sense of security that he belongs in our arms and our arms alone. When we're maybe tonight, maybe not tonight, you know, and we put him on the hall. No, be, make a commitment to just be available. I know there are all kinds of issues that we all have and reasons why we think we can't do that. And I will tell you that Linda Adillo addresses uh, those things in a very good way. And you, you really need to go to that. So those are uh, the second gauge to check is are you having sex often and regularly? Because that will help reestablish that wonderful emotional closeness that you want. First gauge, how are you dealing with anger? Really talk about it. Secondly, the gauge of physical connection, physical intimacy. It's symptomatic, what's going on. And uh, then the third one is communication. And uh, with communication... I want to be specific in the, in the last few minutes that we have. I think that it needs to be between husband and wife, wife and husband, and also before the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, men, I, 
you, you heard Ann say how I took the initiative when we had that early magnetism. Uh, don't think you know everything about her at this point. Don't assume. Take the initiative. Uh, one of the things that we would do, we were very, very busy in the ministry, in the pastorate. I would have many meetings at night, too many meetings at night as I look back. I love being pastor, though. But you know something? Uh, after I would run when I would come home, that would kind of rebuild me a little bit. And then we'd eat at uh, 6 o'clock. The kids still think I was very regimented, but I had meetings at 7.30. So uh, I would uh, then have, we'd do the dishes, and, and we'd roughhouse when the kids were young. And, uh, but then Ann and I would take time together, and we'd take time and say, Honey, let's sit down. And even when the kids were very young, I would say, Hey, this is Mom's and Dad's time. And we, uh, we you know, Dad, Dad loves to roughhouse with you and, and do all these kinds of things and read to you and pray with you and all that stuff. But this is a very special time for the two of us. And don't forget this, please. The security of your children is not based on how much you love them. It's based on how much you love each other. Now, of course, you communicate your love for them, but the security is based on how you two are one before those kids and mm -hmm. how that transmits into love for them then, secondarily. So Ann and I would take about 15 minutes. We'd sit down and we'd really talk with each other. We'd ask her about, you know, uh, Romans 15. We'd talk about the high points, the low points of the day, what's made you happiest, what's made you the most sad, what was your most engaging uh, conversation of the day. You can just make up any kind of question you want. But guys, what you got to do is take some initiative with that. And I'm going to tell you something. This is going to shock you. Fellows, listen closely, please. You know when your wife really gives herself to you in a physical way? You know how you feel? You feel incredibly loved, respected, cared for, nurtured, nourished. Let's go with an analogy. How does your wife feel when you take the initiative to say, honey, I really want to talk to you and see about your day? You know that the women here would say that's equivalent to the way you men feel when they give themselves to you? You go, no, man, it can't be like that. <laughs> it is like that. There's it a strong emotional like connection through time. There's a huge a emotional connection for a woman when her husband says, I really care about you and I'm going to show it by making great eye contact and talking with you about your life, what's significant to you, the pains, the highs, the lows. It's the same way, guys, and I hope you won't forget that. hope you'll kind of lock that back and say, wow, that is incredible that I would make her feel like that if I just took initiative like that with her in communication. So, guys, we really need to do it. Seek her out. Uh, listen with eye contact. Some of these things. Proverbs 18.13. Something really, really important about communication. Proverbs 18.13 says, He who gives an answer before he hears... It is folly and shame to him. Guys, one of the things I am continually learning as a man is that my wife is very different. She is not looking for solutions for me. She's looking for understanding and identification. Care, that's what she wants. And we can be that. And we don't have to solve something. And you girls, you ladies, when, when we do that, please say, Thank you for listening to me. You don't know how much that ministers to me, just by listening. Because we fellows are sitting there going, duh, I don't think I'm doing any good at all just sitting here listening. 
That's true. So just show a little bit of appreciation. That would be a great thing to do. Okay? Set that regular time. And then I just want to say this. You know, we've, talk, we've had some fun about the gauges, the third being communication. But there's something about communication with the Lord that's very, very significant. And I want to encourage you. I know that Ann and I weren't real good at this when our kids were real young and there were so many demands on her, especially as a mom. I would help her at times. But my point is, it was, it was so much of responsibility with kids three and a half, three kids within three and a half years. But one of the things I want to encourage you to try to do, at whatever time you can do it, pray together. Mm-hmm. Pray together. I say that because that is one of the key elements, communication with the Lord, of emotional in- intimacy for Ann and me. Because you see, I'm not praying that God change her. Be careful of that. That'll really hurt your marriage. <laughs> Don't say, you know, Lord, I've seen some weaknesses in my wife, and I'd really like your spirit. <laughs> you know, I don't know of a better way to kill intimacy. <laughs> you know. And Please wives don't do that. for husbands. But, and wife for husband. Don't try to change them in prayer. But, but open up your heart before the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, Psalm 73, Asaph. Nearness to you is my good. Do you believe that? Intimacy. You know, the, the neatest thing, when Anna and I get on our knees, and I do that. I take the initiative and say, hey, let's pray. And she said, well, we don't have to get down, so we've we got a conflict right there. I said, well, honey, I really like to because it, you don't have to, but I would like you to. Because that's the way I humble myself. I get on my knees before the Lord. I really want to because that, that's honoring my Father in a physical way. And I just want to do that. Would you please do that with me? Okay. And then she, you know, no, she's a, she's a godly woman. But, but, you know, she's right to say that it's not a position of, of, of kneeling that makes, makes you holy or more righteous. But, but we join together and we, we pray and we open up our hearts before God. And I want you to know that when you do that, when you're that transparent, when you're that dependent upon the living God, there's something that happens between man and woman. And I just want to close with this. You guys know this. You've learned this from the very first times you went into premarital counseling. You learned about the triangle. You know, God's here. And the more you draw toward God, the more you draw toward one another. It's that way, folks. It really is. And I want to encourage you. I don't care how long you pray. You know, the Pharisees prayed longer than anybody. And they, they didn't go up. They went down. So my point is, I just I want to encourage you just to pray and open up your hearts together before the Lord. And I'm not saying you have to do it seven days a week. Shoot for four days a week. I don't care if you do it in the morning or if you do it in the evening. The point is, do it for three minutes, honey. Let's get down and let's just pray. Let's just humble ourselves before the Lord. And you know what happens? There's a closeness, there's a oneness that is indescribable. That just excites and ignites my heart still after 40 years of marriage because I absolutely love being dependent upon the Lord, transparent before the Lord with this woman to whom I've committed my life till I die. Got it? It's communication. Not just with her, but with her before God. That makes a difference. Got the gauges? Got the gauges? We, I'm check. looking at that clock, dear. We are dunsky. Okay. We're Dunsky. But the point is, A, what's A? Anger. Deal, deal with it. that anger. You've got to. You've got to deal with it. Body, hey, give yourselves to each other. Remember, it's symptomatic. If you don't have the hots for each other, it's probably because you're suppressing some stuff, really. Or if you're not, go see a doctor. Third, communication. 
We really want you, we really want you to communicate with each other. Take that time. Guys, headship, lead out, initiative, involvement equals leadership. And please communicate with the Lord in a transparent way. Even if you do it for one or two minutes, would you do that? Gauges emotional intimacy. May God bless the oneness in your marriage and with the singles, the oneness that God will give you. It's just so indescribable, not perfect, but so fulfilling. He really meant marriage as a blessing. This woman, it's not, it's not from uh, you know, houses and, and lands. They're wonderful, but a prudent wife, an excellent wife is from the Lord, and I praise God for that. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for this time to talk about something that you desire for each of us, emotional intimacy. Father, these things have gone forth, and Lord, I know that you're not as concerned about knowledge as you are behavior and application. So we just ask that to please the one we call Lord, the head of Grace Bible Church, the head of our marriage, that we really would uh, take to heart at least one of these things to work on, that we would honor you in a relationship where oftentimes I am, I am uh, caught up in pride and selfishness. Lord, thank you that we can work on these things before you and be pleasing and grow and deal with these things. Father, would Grace Bible Church, we pray, be known for relationships that are real, that are moving in the right direction as well. And may you develop many leaders and from these marriages, kids that serve you even more fully than their parents. We ask that in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Give them a round.